Welcome to The Family Room, sponsored by Versprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Welcome to The Family Room. We appreciate you joining us again, and as you know, we've had a lot of listeners talking about how do I share my faith, especially in today's world that, you know, sharing your faith and the truth can be very challenging. And then you talk about apologetics, which can be an overbearing word sometimes for people because it sounds so uh, difficult to do because we don't always know our faith. But really, according to our expert that we have in studio, it's simply sharing your faith. And uh, with I'm here with John Gordon and Mari Cleveland again. What do you both think about our topic today? I'm extremely excited. I'm excited to have our guest here because we have just, as you said, Craig, we've had a lot of our listeners. When we ask for feedback from our listeners, they have said, I don't know how to share my faith. I love my faith. I practice my faith. I go to mass. I, I use the sacraments. I, I, I'm so excited about my faith. But when I get into a room full of people, especially those who know the Bible really well, I kind of clam up and I don't know how to share my faith. And we're also hearing from listeners that they're finding more reasons that they need to share their faith. They either have family members who have left the Catholic faith. They don't know how to encourage them to come back, or they have family members who are marrying outside of the faith and they want to be able to share the fullness of the Catholic faith with people who are starting to find excitement and joy in other traditions of Christianity. And they don't know how to do that. They, they feel very, um, Inequipped, unequipped, is that a word? Ill-equipped. Uh, Ill-equipped, there you go. They feel very ill-equipped. So we're really hoping today that our guest will equip us all. That's that's my my passion and my hope for today. John, how about you? I think it's really um, very, very fundamental. Now we know as people, Catholic, Baptist, no matter, we know that there's a truth. Whether we want to admit it or not, we know there's a truth. And so there's this discomfort when we hear all these things that the, the society and culture pound away at us, we know it's not wrong, or we know it's not right, and it's wrong. We need a way to articulate some very fundamental truths, and I think that's where I think that's where John. I'm hoping that's John where you take us today. That's awesome. Yeah. Now we were like fortunate to have in studio today John Martinoni, who is an expert at sharing the faith, doing it in a very kind and gentle way. Until you don't need to be kind and gentle, and you just need to tell the truth to um, make sure you're speaking the truth and getting it out there. Uh, let me introduce John really quickly. You know, John was the founder, president, and his chief apologist at Bible Christian Society, founder and president of Queen of Heaven Catholic Radio in Birmingham, Alabama, director of the Office of, of Evangelization in the Diocese of Birmingham, host of EWTN Open Line. He is the founder and, and conceiver of Blue Collar Apologetics. He's also written a book on Blue Collar Apologetics, How to Explain and Defend Catholic Teaching Using Common Sense, Simple Logic, and the Bible. And he's married with four children. But before we actually introduce John Murray, would you start in prayer, please? Oh, I would be glad to. We always want to in invite the Holy Spirit to be with us. So in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Spirit. Amen. amen. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We praise you as our Abba Father, and we praise you as Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And today, Lord, we are asking you to provide for all of us um, your truth, your truth in ways that we can be humble and winsome as we share it with others. We're asking you to equip us 
and to provide us with um, more knowledge of you that we would each and every day fall more madly in love with you and your son, Jesus, so that we can walk in your will every single day. Lord, we pray especially for the marriages and families out there of all of our listeners who are listening today. We pray for healthy, joy-filled, faith-filled marriages and families. Um, And it's in your son's precious name, in the name of Jesus, that we pray. And we also ask St. Pope John the Second, St. John Paul II, please pray for us. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Father and Son, the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Great. With that, John Martinoni, welcome. Well, uh, Craig, John, and Mari, it's a pleasure to be here. And Mari, I was impressed. Jehovah Jireh, that's God will provide. <laughs> Abraham, uh, Isaac, where are we going to get the ram? God will provide. Awesome. Um, it's good to be here with you, talking about something that I love to talk about. Apologetics. Great. And would you tell us how you got into apologetics and maybe the why you got into it? Well, I tell people I pretty much got dragged into apologetics, kicking and screaming. I was, uh, I'm a business person, finance guy. I've worked in banks, got a finance degree, uh, worked at a couple different banks doing investment analysis, credit analysis, uh, all that kind of thing. And then I ended up getting involved with a Salesian ministry in Birmingham and um, was on their board of directors and came a time where they needed a, a business manager. And so I said, well, we had interviewed a few people. They didn't work out. I said, I thought, well, I'll, I'll throw my hat into the ring. Ended up leaving banking and getting into the um, uh, nonprofit industry as, as the business, business manager for the Salesians. And one day I was uh, driving in my car, listening. I'm a rock and roll guy. You know? <laughs> I grew up 60s, 70s, and I had five stations pre-programmed into. And this is you know mid 90s, pre-programmed into my radio in my car, and I was going from my office to the post office. It was about a three minute drive. Well, at the time I was listening to all these Scott Hahn talks. Mm-hmm. You know, I was learning my faith really. I'd just come back into the church a few years earlier, learning my faith really for the first time. But I thought to myself, you know, in three minutes, I can't get a whole lot from Scott Hahn because you have to hit rewind three or four times every meaty material. Exactly. Exactly. So I said, well, I'll just see if there's a good song on the radio. And all five stations had commercials. So I thought, well, you know, there's this Christian station in town. So I, it's back when you used to have to roll the dial. You know? <laughs> and so I rolled the dial over the Christian station and well, they've, somebody's talking. I was like, ah, forget it. So I pull into the parking lot of the post office and I'm not really paying attention to the radio. And literally as I'm turning the key in the car to turn in, to turn it off, I hear the phrase whore of Babylon mm-hmm. come from the radio. Well, I've listened to enough Scott Hahn now that this is a, code word for the whore of Babylon from Revelation 17 that a lot of evangelicals, Baptists, etc. use to describe the Catholic Church. Oh. So, I I mean, literally, it was like whore of Babylon, click. And I had the door open in one foot, literally on the, on the <laughs> pavement. And I thought, no, I didn't just hear what I thought I heard. So, I turn it back on. Sure enough, they talk about the Catholic Church. Catholic Church is the end time religious political system that the Antichrist will use to take over the world. That's what they said. Yes, that was an exact quote, because I I remember that, you know, 20 some years later. And so I thought and and literally I heard the last 30 seconds of the program, 45 seconds, because after they said that, they said, that's all our time for today. We'll do, you know, we'll get back to this tomorrow. 
I was like, oh my goodness. So I did my business at the post office, went back to the office and I called the radio station. I said, hey, what was that program? They told me it was from some Messianic Jew Foundation in, in Texas that had paid programming to put this. And they were airing this whole series in 15 minute segments. And I ended up listening the next day, ordered the set, and it was two hours of just bashing the Catholic Church. Wow. My. And they played all of it on this evangelical radio, which was the largest evangelical radio station in the state of Alabama, 100,000 watt station, FM. And uh, so I had called the guy. I said, you know, that was pretty offensive to me as a Catholic. Oh, we don't want to offend our Catholic listeners. And I thought, well, why are you playing that? <laughs> and, and, and I said, you know, it'd be a good idea to have a Catholic come on and respond to that. And I, and I wasn't talking about me because, like I said, I was really just learning my faith. He said, oh, that's a great idea. He said, I'll have to talk to my station manager, but we'll get back to you on that. And I was like, okay. So I hung up and I kind of patted myself on the back. I have struck a blow for the faith. <laughs> I've let them know, you know. And, and then I, I said, well, wait a minute. He didn't take my name or number. Oh. So how's he going to get back to me? He's not. So then I said, like I said, I, I listened the next day. or ended up ordering the, the whole set and listened to all of it to maybe two and a half hours just bashing Catholics. After I listened to it, you know, it took about a week to get there and, and I wrote them a letter. I said, um, you know, why are you allowing this anti-Catholic bigotry on your station? I said, would you allow the Ku Klux Klan to put uh, anti-African American bigotry on? Would you allow the not a neo-Nazi party to put anti-Jewish program? Why are you letting these bigots put their anti-Catholic programming on? And I sent it to them, and, but I signed it, John Martinoni. And I thought, you know, I don't think they care who John Martinoni is. So I made up the Bible Christian Society and I made myself the president. So I signed it, John Martinoni, President, Bible Christian Society, sent them the letter, heard nothing for two weeks. But in the two weeks period, I was telling my friends about what I had done because I was, again, patting myself on the back, thinking I was pretty clever doing this. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and people were going, well, I want to join. <laughs> like, join what? The Bible Christian Society. I said, it doesn't exist. No, I want to join. So I literally had a list of like 30 people who wanted to join the Bible Christian Society. And were these all Catholics who these wanted to join? These were all Catholics. And so not having heard from them, two weeks later, I wrote them another letter to the station. I said, not having heard from you, I must assume you agree with the content of this programming. Therefore, we in the Bible Christian Society <laughs> are going to take one or more of the following actions. We're going to boycott your station. We're going to picket your station. We're going to boycott your sponsors. And I put a little parentheses. We've, we've started a list and I had written two down, so I wasn't lying. And, and other things, I said, we're going to write the FCC about your anti-Catholic bigotry, all this stuff. And, uh, and what I wanted to accomplish, literally, I wanted to picket the station because I wanted the, you know, and I said, we'll have to notify local TV, radio, newspaper, et cetera. I wanted my picture in the newspaper so I could send it to my mom and she could say, look, my boy's in the newspaper. Defending the faith. Yeah, exactly. So, but, so I mailed the letter Monday morning. Well, this was back when the post office was a bit more efficient. They called me Tuesday afternoon. They just gotten the letter. They said, well, you want to come on? And I was like, me? I don't want to come on. But, you you're, know. You're the one that's I'm, I'm, I'm the instigator. You're the so. president. 
<laughs> so I ended up going on. They had a live show in the afternoons, Monday through Friday. And I went on and Jeff Cavins was in Birmingham at the time doing his show on EWTN. Mm-hmm. So I got him to come on with me. And we were supposed to be on for an hour. Oh, well, tap, 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 tap. You brought in the heavy guns? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And cause That's I, impressive. I know. <laughs> yeah, we all just happened to have Jeff Cavins in our <laughs> uh, was, was Mother Angelica behind him or what? Uh, no, no, but she was probably praying for it. Uh, so... So we come on and we did not talk until about it until we got to the studio, but it was as if we had rehearsed it for weeks, the way what I said fit with what he said. And I took uh, a couple of, I took purgatory and confession and just straight from the Bible. And mm-hmm. he did the big picture like sola scriptura, sola fide. We were supposed to be on for an hour. We went an hour and a half because the phones just lit up. Oh, wow. I just got goosebumps. People yeah. were just going crazy. And there was one guy screaming, what are Catholics doing on a Christian radio station? You know, and all. And but other Catholics are calling. We're so happy you're there. They said, well, so that was it. I thought I said, well, now they know I'm out there and I'm listening. They won't play stuff like that. Well, the very next day I tune in, they played a program called Mary, Mary, Quite Contrary oh, about oh my. the Virgin Mary. Wow. Uh, wow. I was like, oh, my goodness. Well, listeners, if you are just tuning in, you are in for a treat. We are here with your um, in your at your Atlanta Catholic radio station, AM 1160, The Quest, and we're listening to John Martinoni. And John is a he's a, an evangelist, an apologist. And obviously, if you've been listening, he's got a lot of passion for the Catholic faith. And so we are so thankful you're listening here into the family room and joining us with John. John. OK, so the second show was Mary, Mary, Quite Contrary. Yeah. And so I said, oh. My goodness. And I, I thought, okay, well, what do I do now? A guy called me who was connected with a very wealthy family in Birmingham. He said, I will buy the airtime if you'll put a show like that on that radio station. And at first, I, it gave me a big head. I thought, wow, I must have been good. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and But I said, well, let me think about it. Well, I slept on it. I woke up the next morning. I thought, there is no way I am doing a show on, I've never, you know, that's the only radio I've ever done was the day before. And, and I'm still learning my faith. And I told him, no, he said, just pray about it. I said, no, I'm not going to pray about it. I said, if God wants this to happen, he's going to have to make it happen. Well, over the next seven or eight months, some really weird things happen. I won't go into it because it'd take up the rest of the time, but all these coincidences And I wound up several months later doing a one hour Sunday night live show doing Catholic apologetics on the largest evangelical radio station in the state of Alabama. And it just it it blew up. I mean, the very first show I did, the title of it was Catholics are Christians, too. Very first caller was another one like that had called in when when we did the the live show with with Cavins and their their live show guy. Very first I had told my call screener, I said, because I'm in a little radio booth with a glass enclosure and he's manning the phones. It's Sunday night, so there's only the engineer from the station is there. So I told him, I said, if anybody calls in, just put, you know, line one, Jim or Linda or whatever, and tape it to the glass. I said, and if they're angry, put a little red star. <laughs> well, we're 15 minutes of the program. And he comes walking up and he's got this big grin on his face and he slaps this piece of paper 
on there. It says Brian, line one, and the red star is on the whole page. <laughs> and he's just looking at me with a smile. He's like, how are you going to handle this guy? And so I said, oh, we got our first caller, Brian, line one. Welcome, Brian. What's on your mind? You are an abomination. He's screaming. Wow. Over the, what is a Catholic doing on a Christian radio station? I was like, yeah, I keep hearing this. And uh, he just, I said, well, Brian, and I just kept my tone just like this. I said, Brian, I was just quoting some passages from scripture. I said, which passage do you have a problem with? <laughs> and he went, oh, what? I said, well, you're calling me an abomination. I said, I was quoting scripture. Which scripture is an abomination? He's like, well, well not, not the scripture. You, you're an abomination. And it went on from the end. That just launched my career. And apologetics because, and what I would do is each week I would go to mass Saturday night and then all day Sunday, I would prepare for a specific topic. Mm. And if a question came in that was not on that topic, I said, Oh no, that's not our topic this week because I had no clue how to answer that question. <laughs> I said, but we'll get to that in future weeks. So stay tuned. And so that's how I handled not knowing mm. all the things that I know now. And, but the Catholics went nuts the non-Catholics went nuts. They were calling saying, thank you for doing this. We're learning things that we didn't know about the Catholic faith. Catholics were calling, say, thank you for doing this because this station is always bashing our faith and, and, and so on. So that's what led me to where I am today. That it's, is amazing. It's interesting, too, though. What you said that struck me was you weren't prepared for it. God was preparing you for it, called you to do it. You got the expertise by spending the time. God opened your heart up to it. And at the same time, you were humble enough to dodge the question and say, that's not going to happen right now because that's not our topic. And I know in your in your um, apologetics for the scripturally challenge, one of your key components is or key tenets is don't be afraid to say, I don't know. Right. Humility. Right. Well, but in all due respect, I didn't say I don't know. I just said, well, that's not our topic now this week. And. What I tell people, the two, uh, the two qualities that God gave me that make me perfect for doing what I'm doing are a thick skull and a thick skin, you know, because I'm too dumb to know that I can't do what I'm doing. And I don't care what you call me. It just rolls right. You can call me, John, you're, and I've been called by Catholic and non-Catholic alike. You're a blankety blank, blank, blank. And I'll look at you and I say, well, yeah, pretty much, but you forgot blankety blank blank, <laughs> you know? And so you cannot offend me. You cannot get me, you know, nonplussed, if that's the correct word. You just can't do it because I, I agree. I'm, I am all those things and more. And so thick skin, thick skull. But those are not necessary components to share, share your faith Generally, in a yeah, general I was going to say because some of our listeners out mm. there are not thick-skinned right. and they're, they're not thick-skulled, <laughs> right? You know, and as you were speaking, I was realizing that, um, and some of our listeners know this; these guys know it. I grew up on Guam. Guam is ninety-eight percent Catholic. Yes, I moved to the United States when I was seventeen. I came from this Catholic island where everybody had a patron saint. Uh, each village had a patron saint. We it was very Catholic, and I came back and I moved to the south. And I did not know that 
people did not consider Catholics Christians. I did not know that. And it was very, I had a hard time when I first started hearing that from people and I didn't know what to say. And I realized I didn't have the language to answer their questions when they asked me how I knew I was saved or how I knew I was going to heaven. And it was a whole, it was learning a whole new language is what it was. And I think that's what you do in your gifting for our listeners, for all the people who tune in to you and to who use your resources is you give us the language to know how to share this faith that God has blessed us with, but we don't know. We've never had to defend. We don't know what to do with it. And so for those people who aren't thick skinned or thick skulled, I think some of the other gifts that you talk about and some of what you share is that gift of humility and being winsome and being humble and recognizing it's the Holy spirit who actually draws people to the truth. That's absolutely right. And, um, one of the the strategies I think Craig alluded to earlier, there's four strategies that I basically realized as I was doing these talks on all these different topics, I realized there were common threads running through these talks. And mm-hmm. so that's how I came up with my apologetics for the scripturally challenged talk, because it's, it's a strategies talk. It's, you know, you can have all these books that say, well, in order to answer about Mary's assumption, you can use this verse from the Bible and this verse. But they don't tell you how to use that verse Mm. and how to maneuver in such a way to where you can ask questions yourself of the person who's asking you the questions. Mm -hmm. It's, It's fair to ask them questions. And so I tell people what I do is I teach Catholics how to talk Bible to Bible Christians yes, and uh, not be afraid of the Bible and not be afraid of a discussion on the faith, on the Bible, Um, because so many Catholics uh, have had they've been literally beaten over the head with the Bible Mm -hmm. by a Baptist or evangelical before. And so they're kind of skittish to talk about, well, this is what the Bible says. So they don't get into those conversations. And so what I do is I teach them. Here are the strategies you can use. Even if you don't know where Genesis is in the Bible, I can teach you how to talk to the head of a Baptist seminary about the Bible. People go, no, there's no. Yes. And mostly it's using common sense. And the first one is that what I call the ignorant Catholic strategy. If you don't know something when you're asked a question about your faith, don't give it your best shot. Don't, don't, you know, kind of, well, I think it might be, it's sort of, or or don't make something up because you're embarrassed. You don't know. Just say, be humble and say, I don't know, but I will find out and get back to you. I've had people tell me that just getting permission to say, I don't know, has freed them to go out and evangelize all sorts of people. Mm. And they actually look forward to getting into the conversations because they know they're going to get asked questions that they don't know the answer to. They're going to get in way over the head and they love it because, oh, now I've got something to go and look up and research about my faith. Yeah. So I can use this as an opportunity to not only share my faith with the other guy, but to uh, first and foremost, Learn my faith yes. more than I already do, which I tell me, I say our faith is truth. Jesus tells us he is the truth. So the more of our faith that you learn, the more Jesus, you know. Mm-hmm. So as you learn your faith more, you are drawing closer and closer to Jesus Christ. And then you're also coming up and sharing that with others. It's an awesome, awesome thing. That's beautiful. One of the things I think is so important and so um, amazing that we have the opportunity to do is 
as we interact with Christians of all denominations is that God, God wants all of us to be one. He daily wants all of us to be one. And so there are wonderful things. So I've learned from my non-Catholic friends more about the Bible. And I'm so thankful for that. So, and what that has done is exactly what you just said. It's made me even more excited about my Catholic faith, because as I've learned more about the Bible, then I feel um, even more blessed with what we have offered in our, in our faith. Yeah. Absolutely. And I tell people, you know, when I was coming back into the church after being out for 13 years and never having really learned my faith to begin with, and I'm learning my faith, I have these Protestant friends and they're telling me, well, you Catholics don't go by the Bible. You don't know the Bible. We know the Bible. It's our book. So I just, oh, okay. Well, they know more about it than I do. Well, as I got into apologetics and learning my faith, I was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) We know the Bible. Now, Catholics or, you know, on average cannot quote book, chapter and verse like many evangelicals, Baptists and so forth can. But we actually know the Bible Mm -hmm. way better than we think we do. And that's what I teach Catholics. You know these things. And the fact is, is where do you think the Bible came from to begin with? Mm -hmm. It was the Catholic. I tell them, I say, the Bible is a Catholic book. There's nothing in it contrary to the Catholic faith and nothing in the Catholic faith contrary to anything in the Bible. Would you repeat that? Because that is so critical for us to know foundationally. The Bible, and this is what I teach in my my talk. Uh, the Bible is a Catholic book. Catholics do not need to fear it. There is nothing in the Bible, doctrinally, dogmatically speaking, that is contrary to anything in the Catholic faith and nothing in the Catholic faith that is contrary to anything in the Bible. And once you know that as a Catholic, then even if you get stumped with all these Bible verses being thrown at you and they're being interpreted this way, that you can have this confidence that, well, what they're saying, yeah, they're quoting the Bible, but they're interpreting it in a way that's not quite right. So I know that the Catholic Church is right on this, and I just have to go and find out exactly how we're right and what I need to do to respond to this but don't be afraid of the bible one other thing i'd like to bring up for our listeners as well we keep talking about addressing protestants and those that have differing views folks we need to know our faith to address our own pews the own people in the pews when you hear that 50 percent of us don't believe in the real presence of christ yes when you hear our children to the tune of 80 percent are leaving the faith we need to know our faith not because we want to be experts but because Christ wants us to love people. Mm-hmm. He wants us to bring truth in a world that really is not about truth today. Yeah, exactly. And he wants us to know him. And this is the way Which we know him. Which is the truth. Yeah, exactly. 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 Folks, you're listening to The Family Room on The Quest, 1160 AM at Atlanta Catholic Radio. And we're going to take a little break and be right back to you. We'll be right back inside The Family Room in moments. Sponsored by Versprite on The Quest. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. Healthcare providers should care about health, right? Why then has Planned Parenthood's actual women's healthcare services dropped over 72% in the last 10 years? Abortion is not healthcare. Abortion kills. Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion provider in the United States with 700 abortion facilities. And in the 2019 fiscal year, they ended 345,672 
innocent American lives. This is an increase of 13,000 in the last year and 25,000 over the last two years. To put that in context, that is about half the population of Washington, D.C. Why then does the United States government continue to send the millions of taxpayer dollars in funding and grants year after year? If we don't stop them, no one will. Let's love God by loving life. Show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. Here at The Quest, we often hear how our programs touch hearts and change lives. Now more than ever, people need to hear the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. As a 100% listener-supported station, The Quest relies on monthly donations to stay on the air. Please consider making a monthly donation to The Quest and help us continue to provide inspiring Catholic programming. Monthly donors are the lifeblood of the station. Visit thequestatlanta.com to donate. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is AJ with The Quest. Did you know that we are on a mission to invite, inform, and inspire listeners like you? We want you to embrace your journey and take one step closer to God by not only listening, but engaging with us. In fact, we could use your help with making this vision a reality. I ask you to prayerfully consider joining us as a missionary to help with volunteer tasks at our studio in Roswell, Georgia. If you feel called to help and would like to learn more, please send us an email at info at thequestatlanta.com. Does your parish, charitable organization, or ministry have an upcoming event that you'd like to promote? Advertise it on AM 1160, the Quest Community Calendar. It's easy and there's never a fee. Just visit thequestatlanta.com, click on events, and submit your activity or event. Enhance the success of your community outreach event. Take advantage of the Quest Atlanta's complimentary community calendar and gain more exposure to the Metro Faith community. Submit your event at thequestatlanta.com today. St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com. We're back in the family room, sponsored by Versprite. Right here on AM 1160, The Quest. We are here with a gentleman who Scott Hahn said is a world-famous apologist. How do you beat that? So I'll be quiet and let Mr. John Martignoni uh, take over again. Now, John, you talked about four strategies. And right before our break, we got strategy number one in. So we're looking for two, three, and four. Take us away. All right. Uh, I'll go through them real quick, and then you guys can, can take off with any questions you have. The second strategy I call how to be offensive without being offensive. Mm. And basically what that is, and this is the one that I use most often, and this is the one I tell people everybody can use it age eight to 108 it's all it is is learning how to ask questions you know if, if somebody catholics are always answering questions you know where in the bible is infant baptism where in the bible does it say anything about confessing your sins to a priest where in the bible does it say mary is assumed in heaven where in the bible is this where in the bible is that we're always answering questions we're always on the defensive so you take the offensive by asking a question and it, it, it's and this is a lot of common sense involved because, for example, where in the Bible does it say, Craig, that that Mary was assumed into heaven? Well, Craig, the good Catholic, can just look back and say, well, where in the Bible does it say she wasn't? Mm-hmm. It's that easy. Boom. Now you've well, you've, you've just presented them with something that causes them to stop and think. And that's what it's all about. By asking questions, you are causing the other person to stop and think about 
what they believe and why they believe it, which is exactly what they're doing with you mm-hmm. by asking you questions. So that's how to be offensive without being offensive is simply learning how to ask questions. And the book you talked about, uh, Blue Collar Apologetics, which is out September 1st. Uh, you can get it at EWTNRC.com. Just do a search on Blue Collar and they'll have my DVDs and my book. I get the book. It has all these examples at the end of each chapter of hmm. questions that you can ask about that particular topic. And so that's how to be offensive without being offensive. You that's- be a good student and ask questions. That's great. And also listeners, just in case you don't know, our show notes will also have a link to all of John's resources. So you can look there. You can go to our thequestatlanta.com website and you can find all of John's resources as well. Awesome. The third one is it's the principle of the thing is the third strategy I use and teach people. All that is, and this, this involves a little more biblical knowledge, but it also helps you to uh, it gives you incentive to get into the Bible mm-hmm. and pull out Catholic principles. For example, quite often I've heard, I couldn't tell you how many hundreds of times I've heard, well, nowhere in the Bible does it say purgatory. Mm-hmm. So you Catholics right. believe something that's not in the Bible, right? Well, okay, but the word Trinity is not in the Bible either. Neither is the word incarnation, but Protestants believe in those Wednesday night Bible study. That's not in the Bible. But the way to answer that is, okay, purgatory, the word is not in the Bible. Yes. But the concept is, Hmm. for example, in in 2 Samuel, there's the story of of David who committed adultery with Bathsheba, essentially had allowed Bathsheba's husband be killed in battle. Mm -hmm. So adultery, murder. Nathan, the prophet, comes to him, tells him the story. David realizes, oh, I've sinned against the Lord, and he repents. And Nathan tells him, the Lord has put away your sin. In other words, you've been forgiven. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Then what does he say after that? He said, but because you've done this thing, the child that is born to you shall die. Mm. So what's the Catholic principle from that? Principle is there is punishment due to sin even after the sin has been forgiven. Okay, fine. Now we go to Revelation 21. It says nothing unclean will enter the new Jerusalem, which is heaven. So nothing with the stain of sin will enter heaven. That's a pretty straightforward principle. Hebrews 12 talks about you've come to Mount Zion to, you know, the heavenly assembly of angels and to the souls of the just made perfect. Well, as you're reading that, normally the souls of the just made perfect. You keep going. But wait a minute. The souls of the just made perfect. Huh? And where would that be? There must be some process by which the souls of the just mm-hmm. are made perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now one more first Corinthians three verses uh, 10 to 15 talks about how on the judgment day, you know, each person's judgment day that uh, their works will be tested as through fire. You know, if they've done these good works, They'll receive a reward. If they've done these works of hay, stubble, and straw, their works will be burned up and they will suffer loss as through fire, yet still be saved. Hmm. So, you know, again, you don't just keep reading. We need speed bumps in the Bible. Um, <laughs> Flashing neon yeah, lights. <laughs> yeah. Because, okay, well, if you just read through that, like you're reading a novel, but if you stop and think, okay, wait a minute. 
So there's this place after you die where your works are tested and where you could suffer loss as through fire, yet still be saved. Is that hell? Whoa, you suffer loss as through fire and hell, that's for sure. But you don't get out. So you're not saved. So "Ah, no, it's not hell. Well, it must be heaven then. Because as we know, Protestant, there's only heaven or hell. Well, in heaven, you don't suffer loss as through fire. Mm -hmm. So where is this place that after you die, you could suffer loss as through fire, yet still be saved? So Catholic principle we pull out of that is there's some place or some would say a state of being that after you die, that is not heaven and it's not hell. Mm. So let's put them all together. Okay. All these biblical principles we've pulled out. There is punishment for sin, even after the sin's been forgiven. Nothing with the stain of sin gets into heaven. There is some process by which the souls of the just are made perfect. And there's this, there's this place other than heaven or hell where a person can go and suffer loss as through fire, yet still be saved. Mm-hmm. Put them all together. You have what we Catholics call purgatory. You can call it whatever you want as a Baptist event. We call it purgatory. Mm-hmm. And it's right there, all straight from the Bible. Wow. And I love as you're using the word, you say Catholic principle. In my mind, I'm seeing both the big C and the little C. Yeah. Because I'm thinking Catholic principle, uh, our Catholic big C, but I'm also thinking Catholic principle, the universal principles that the off, that the Bible is offering it, us of the word to of God. all people. Absolutely. Because truth is truth for everyone. Yes. And yeah. that's so that's the type of thing that I teach people how to do. And it's very, very easy. And again, it makes getting into the Bible fun mm-hmm. because you're not just reading, you're, you're going into the Bible with a specific purpose. And so that's the principle of the thing. The fourth strategy I call, but that's my interpretation. Mm. And what that is, this, I call this the Catholic ace in the hole. All <laughs> because right. we, got that. we like that. <laughs> by Protestant theology. And this is almost a universe, sola scriptura, the Bible alone is the closest thing to a universal Protestant doctrine that there is. So what is sola scriptura? Well, we go by the Bible and the Bible alone. What's in, if it's in the Bible, we believe it. If it's not in the Bible, we don't believe it. Okay. That's, that's essentially the, the doctrine. The corollary of the doctrine is I, who can read, I get to pick up the Bible and read for myself as I feel the Holy Spirit is guiding me to come to my own conclusions about what is correct doctrine and dogma and correct Christian practice. I do that by myself. So I tell Catholics, when you get into a discussion with a Protestant, whatever they call themselves, evangelical, Baptist, Methodist, I don't care. They believe in sola scriptura. So they believe that you as a Catholic, as a human being who can read, have the right to pick up the Bible and decide for yourself what it's saying to you. Mm. Okay. So that means that the worst a Catholic can do in a discussion with any Protestant about anything in the Bible or anything about the faith is a tie. And they go, what do do you mean a tie? I said, well, because essentially under Protestant theology, it boils down to John. It's, it's your fallible interpretation of scripture Versus my fallible interpretation of scripture. Yep. That's it. You could have 23 PhDs in scripture and I could be, you know, I dropped out of second grade. Okay. Well, but I pick up the Bible and I read something. Well, that's what it means to me. And you say, well, that's wrong. Uh Uh-uh. You can't tell me it's wrong. You can tell me you disagree with my interpretation. 
You cannot, by your theology, tell me it's wrong. I got into this discussion once with a pastor of a Bible church. And so I told him at the very beginning, I said, well, pastor, I said, do you believe in infallibility? Absolutely not. No man is infallible. I said, okay, so then will you agree with me that under your theology, the best we can do here is your fallible interpretation of the Bible versus my fallible interpretation? Well, he didn't like that. Mm, okay, wow. so he, he just kind of changed the subject. And we started talking about things. And a few minutes later, I quoted a verse. I said, well, this is what it means. He goes, ah, John, you said the best you can do is your fallible interpretation versus my fallible interpretation. And I said, ah, Pastor, that's not what I said. I said, that's the best you can do. I said, the best that I can do is the infallible teaching of the church founded by Jesus Christ and guided by the Holy Spirit versus your fallible interpretation of the Bible. Mm. Well, he turned bright red. He didn't like that. You know, I told you before the show. <laughs> I, I, I do things that a lot of times people don't. I have this knack for making you people not like a little me. Bit. Yes. And so, but, you know, we continued conversation. But what I knew when his face turned red, I knew I had planted a seed. Mm -hmm. He had never, ever thought about it in that context before. And I don't know what happened since then. This was a few years ago. I don't know if he started looking into the Catholic church or not, but a seed was planted. And that's what I tell people. That's what apologetics is all about. It's not about winning an argument, not about telling people they're wrong or any such. It's about planting a seed. You, you make a really good point because I think if our listeners are listening to this, John, they're like, that's John. And I love his blue collar concept, but that's not blue collar. That's understanding scripture. And I think what, what you're doing is giving us permission to say, hey, we're going to have this conversation and we have information behind us and it's just totally fine. We don't have to win everything that we go to. We just have to plant a seed and get somebody to go, hmm. Right. One of my rules of engagement that I have with, along with these strategies in my book is you don't have to know everything right now. Okay. Yeah. Because if you go into a conversation thinking, well, I have to know everything about the Catholic faith before I can go out and teach other people and, and evangelize. Well, you will never evangelize. St. Thomas Aquinas did not know everything about the Catholic faith. So if you wait until you know something perfectly before you go out to share it, you'll never share it. So that's why I say you don't have to know everything now. But when you get into a situation that, well, you're asked questions you don't know, you get in over your head, you're getting hit with Bible verse after Bible verse. You say, well, well hang on. That's a good question. Tell you what, I don't know the answer to that, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to go look it up. I'll find out and I'll get back to you. That's the beauty of these strategies. It's common sense. It's I don't have to know everything right now. I don't even have to know everything to get back to them. I just, well, they asked me about Mary in the Bible. Well, I didn't have the answer, so I went and researched it. Now I can, well, I can talk to them in person. I can call them on the phone. I can send them a text, send them an email. I can shoot them a link to an article. Mm -hmm. I can do it all. You do it in the way that you think is best for that given situation. But now you're in control. So no matter what situation you get into, if you use these strategies and these, these rules of engagement that I have, you can actually be in control of the conversation and you can end up, you know, not only sharing your faith, but you will be learning your faith more deeply and you'll appreciate it even more. And you'll want to learn. The more you learn, the more you want to learn. So, yeah, exactly. What I like about what you said, too, though, interestingly, it's not about winning arguments. It's about planting seeds. 
But one of the things that always comes up is somebody's going to get upset, John. If I say something to them, they don't agree, they're going to get mad. Whether it's talking to a family member about you need to go to confession or you can't sleep with somebody that's not your husband or your wife or whatever, they're going to get mad. They're going to have something to say about it. What tweaks the anger, do you think? The reason people get angry with you when you say something to them that is true is because it pings their conscience. Mm -hmm. And when your conscience is pinged, you don't like that. You know, you, you just do not like that. It, and whether it's a, a situation, a, a religious discussion or any kind of discussion, it, you don't like to be wrong. But and, you know, deeps down inside that what this person is telling you that they're right. Mm. You know, yes, I shouldn't be sleeping with this person outside of marriage. Yes, I shouldn't be ripping off reams of paper from my workplace every once every few weeks. Yeah. And when someone calls you on that. Your conscience is going, got you, got you. And you're going, no. How do you have to silence your conscience? You have to get angry. You have mm -hmm. to get emotional. Mm -hmm. And that emotion, that anger, that's it's not so much directed at the other person as it is at their own inner voice. They're telling to shut up. I don't want to hear you. I don't want to hear what you have to say because it's tearing them up inside. But that, that's why I always tell people, I say, you don't set out to make people angry, but by telling someone the truth, by talking about truth, you will inevitably make someone angry. You know, look at Jesus. I asked people, I said, can you love somebody more than Jesus loved people? No. Can you be more respectful of who they are as a human being than Jesus was? No. Yet people got angry with Jesus. I mean, so angry they hung him on a cross. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, don't expect better. You know, just don't expect better. You will be crucified, maybe not physically, but verbally and, and mentally, emotionally, you will be crucified when you start talking about truth. But you cannot be afraid of that because, number one, you are uniting yourself to Jesus in, in a way that he really appreciates. Because what do you, why are you doing that? Because you have a concern for the other person's mm -hmm. soul. Mm -hmm. Number two is the fact that, well, um, I care about this person's soul, so I'm speaking this truth. And you were doing it in a way, there's not a formulaic way to do it. Each person does it in their own way, based on their own situation with, you know, you might talk to grandma one way, you might talk to your son or your daughter another way about the faith, if, if they're all fallen away. Or a coworker, another way, or a next door neighbor, another way. So, given the situation, you do what you know best in that situation with that person. And again, it's the love of the soul sharing truth with people. And what I always tell folks, I say, another one of my rules of engagement is don't worry about making a mistake. You will make mistakes when you evangelize, okay? Peter made mistakes. Peter got into some pretty tight spots. But Jesus told him, Luke 5, do not be afraid. Henceforth, you will be catching men. That's what we're doing. We're catching men and women. Don't want to offend anybody in our, <laughs> you know, delicate society these days. And so, uh, you know, so don't be afraid of making people angry. Don't try to make them angry, but don't be afraid of it because when they get angry, you you know that you have planted a seed. Yep, yep.
So it's interesting. You just used another big word. You use the word evangelize, right? So a lot of our listeners with, okay, now we've apologized and we're evangelizing and we're afraid of that sometimes, especially as Catholics, we're afraid of that word. And I remember somebody sharing with me many years ago when I said, I don't, I don't get that. I was actually heading off. I was 23. I was heading off to a Curcia weekend. Mm. And I said, I don't really understand what this is all about. I'm supposed to be learning about evangelism. And, and he said, it's three things. It's being a friend with somebody. Uh, it's making a friend. Number one, it's making a friend. Then it's being a friend to that person. And then it's bringing that friend closer to Christ. And that's essentially what you're talking about. You're talking about bringing people to the truth. And Christ is the truth. Right? Absolutely. And yeah. a lot of people think, well, how do I get started? How do I do this? Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever taught me how to do this. Well, you get started by being more Catholic. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, when I worked at a bank, what I would, what I did one time was I brought in a Bible, just set it on my desk, but it was a special Bible that the cover said Catholic Bible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just that started the girl across the, the hallway from me. She came in and said, Oh, Catholic, you're Catholic. She starts telling me all these things about well, where the Catholic church got it wrong. And I just listened to her for several weeks. And then finally one week I had finished this big project. I had some time on my hands. She came in and she said something. I said, Susan, stop right there. And we got in this big, long discussion about Well, here in the Bible, it says this. Here in the Bible, it says this. This backs up what the Catholic Church says. And just by putting Catholic Bible, other people, you know, if you go to lunch, make the sign of the cross. Mm -hmm. I don't care if these people aren't Catholic. or I don't care if they're so-so Catholics. Make the sign of the cross. Say, let's say a blessing. Mm -hmm. Well, then what happens? Well, if it's non-Catholics, well, why'd you do that? You know, that's Catholic thing. Oh, they find out you're Catholic. Well, guess what? When people find out you're Catholic, especially here in the South, what do they want to do? They want to convert you. You don't have to go looking for people to convert or evangelize. You just let it be known that you're Catholic. They will come to you. And what's the number one principle in judo? You use the opponent's force against them. So when they come to evangelize you, will you turn it around by asking them questions? You know, how to be offensive without being offensive. And you start evangelizing them. But they don't realize it because they came to convert you. And guess what? The sign of the cross is actually in the Bible. Yeah. Which is Edward Shree taught us that one. That was pretty cool. Okay, real quick. So some people don't even who are listening going, there's a difference between a Catholic Bible and non-Catholic Bible. Can you simply share that with our listeners real quick? Well, the biggest difference is that in the uh, Protestant Old Testament, there are seven books missing Mm -hmm. that Martin Luther essentially threw out. Mm -hmm. He tried to throw out some of the New Testament books, too, because they didn't agree with some of his theology, but he was convinced by other uh, of the so-called reformers to put those New Testament books back in. So there are seven books, uh, first and second Maccabees, Sirach, Judith, uh, Wisdom, Wisdom, mm-hmm. Baruch, and Tobit, one, Tobit thank mm-hmm. you, that are not in the Protestant Bible that are in the Catholic Bible. And so that's why, uh, you know, but, but just again, that particular Bible, the cover said Catholic. Catholic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was the whole thing. That's all you needed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somebody, oh, Catholic. Make the sign of the cross. Say, you know, when you're somewhere, say, well, you know, I, I was uh, asked Mary to pray for me. Oh, pray, you know, do something that's Catholic that will cause them to ask you questions or to come at you about your faith, try to convert you. And, you know, sons and Pray for the Holy Spirit. You, you have a son or daughter that's left the faith. How do I bring it? Just learn a little bit more about your faith every day. Pray to the Holy Spirit. 
give me an opening with my child. Mm -hmm. Give me an opening and then wait. Don't try to force something. Just wait for that opening. God will provide it some way, somehow. And then you, because you've been learning a little bit more about your faith every day, you'll have what you need to plant a seed with your son or daughter or whoever it is you're talking to. There's another component that I like, Mari, what you said, though, because I think oftentimes you get very intimidated by this conversation because that's not me. Right. Well, this is about relationship. It's about make a friend, be a friend. There's a vulnerability. And then now I can have open discussions. Hopefully it's not going to be ugly and, and debatable to the point where you know, you're yelling and screaming at each other, which is my approach when people don't agree with me a lot of times. So I'm learning a lot from this talk, John. But I mean, I think at the end of the day, folks, we have people around us. We live with every single day, our husbands, wives, whatever. Bottom line is stand up, love them, tell them the truth. No offense, John and I came together. Dads, it's your job. Yep. Lead. Yep. Take the lead. You spend all this time in business preparing and doing all these things. Do it in your household. Learn what you need to learn. And I think, Craig, um, that's so spot on because, John, as I listen to you, clearly you went back after, you know, that very first engagement on the radio and started learning, right? What do we do in our business? If we're going to go have a conversation with somebody in a new industry or a nuanced industry, we go learn about that thing. So great, Chris, great common sense advice. You're learning more about your faith. You're sharing your faith. And guess what? It's it's fun and, and you will enjoy the process. And the first time is the hardest, but after that, it just gets easier and easier. And again, it as you learn how to do this, you look forward to these opportunities to get involved in a discussion about your faith, whether with family, friends, non-Catholics, sort of Catholics. It's fun. Just try it and see. And once again, you do it because Jesus told you to do it. Exactly. And your job is to plant a seed. Right. Not make sure it grows. Right. Just That's why you need to get my book, EWTNRC.com. The book is Blue Collar Apologetics. You can pre-order it now. It's out September 1st. That is awesome. Right. Thank you. So, John, we have loved having you today. And I I've know our listeners it. are on the edge of their seats, just excited for more and looking forward to ordering your book. And would you do us a, a great blessing and, and uh, close us in prayer? Sure. In the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Holy Amen. Spirit. Lord, just ask that uh, as we go out from here that you be with us, your spirit be with us, bless us, bless our families and friends. And God, we just ask that uh, all that we come across, all who come across our paths, that they would see you in our actions and hear you in our voices. And we ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. 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 The Father, and the Son, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Appreciate you, brother. Thank, Thank you, you for being with us. Once again, listeners, you are here on In the Family Room. We'll see you next week. Thanks for hanging out with us in the Family Room. Sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.